0: All right, guys, did anybody, just by a show of hands, did anybody find a mentor this week? Did anybody go ask somebody to mentor them? We got a table issue right there. Samuel did? Okay, well, I did. Uh, I realized that I stood up last week and talked about finding a mentor, and I realized I didn't have a mentor. I know that's a little hypocritical, and uh, I told you last week, Drew Tucker's here with us tonight, and he's been out. First time back. You can give him a round of applause. He's not listening. He's back. He's back. Knee surgery went well. He's back with us. But, you know, for years I heard Drew talk about having a mentor and I thought, man, that's interesting. You know, Drew's, Drew's, it's not like Drew's just starting out to have, but, and to still have a mentor. But I've heard him over the years talk about the fact that he calls us mentor and he bounces things off of him. And so I went to a a pastor on staff here this week and, well, last week and I just asked him what he considered. Spending some time with me and answering some questions. And so we met for our first time this week, and it's one of the sweetest things I've ever done. And so I really encourage you if you don't have somebody like that that's just a little bit further down the road that you could talk to, I would encourage you to find someone that could spend time with you like that. All right, well, I'm gonna ask uh, Pablo Pereira and uh, David Moskowitz, where are you at? I'm gonna ask both of y'all to come up here and uh, we're gonna talk just for a few minutes and uh you know, we're talking about this idea of being well-balanced. Uh, we got work life, which is crazy busy. Um, we've got uh, home life, which Pablo is going to share with you in just a minute, is crazy busy, especially when you send your wife out of town and you keep all five kids. Um, so so uh, we're going to talk about a few of those things. <clears throat> I sent you all a few questions that I want to ask, but uh, another question I forgot to put on there, and so we'll just start with this. Would you just tell them what you do for a living?
1: Okay, okay, I'm retired Memphis Fire Department. Uh, Spent okay. a lot of time preparing to teach here at Bellevue. Involved with you guys a little bit in adult life group ministry. So,
0: and how long were you with Memphis Fire? Uh, Thirty years. Thirty years. And what what uh, position did you hold when you retired? I retired as a battalion chief. Battalion chief. Okay. Awesome. All right. Thanks, thanks, for thanks. service man.
2: Well, I want to answer this, this question by saying, I go to work so I can rest. Okay, that's my job. <laughs> but uh, now I'm an entrepreneur. I own a couple of companies. And some makes money, some lose money, and uh, also we own a bunch of rental properties.
0: Okay, awesome. All right, so um, the next question I'm going to jump into is life's busy. Um, David, how many kids?
1: Uh, we have three kids, seven grandchildren.
0: Three kids, seven grandchildren. So as you were battalion chief and all that, you had a whole lot to juggle, okay? So, and then, uh, Pablo, uh, you've got five kids, correct?
2: I do. I have five kids, yep.
0: Okay, all right. So you've got places that you're running – uh, you were you were over a lot of people. Uh, you got kids at home, you got wife at home, you got church responsibilities, hopefully sometime find time for a hobby. But first question is, with all of that going on, what does your time with the Lord look like? Is that in the morning? Is it in the evening? Is it, is it a daily occurrence for you? What does it look like to spend time with the Lord, both in God's Word and talking to Him?
2: I'll go first this one. You How about we switch to the next one? All right. So to be very practical, right? I don't want, I don't, think anybody here wants a ther- theoretical answer, uh, but um, I like the fact that if you even look at the Lord's prayer, and a lot of the scriptures we memorize is as I go forward, you know, lead me, Lord. So it's not like, Lord, I hope I had a good journey. I'm here now. I hope it was the right way. So I'm a believer that the morning, you got to win the morning, right? There's great books out there, uh, Miracle Morning, among other ones. But um, so I wake up early. I wake up a little before 6 o'clock. Uh, I'm up by 6, and I don't wake up the whole rest of the family by 6.40. So I have about a 30-minute take a shower, and I have a 30-minute kind of quiet time uh, in the morning to do that. Okay. Um, so that's one practical way that I can get some personal time with the Lord. So the
0: just getting up for everyone else, because you know once they get up, it's not going to happen.
1: It's it's going to be full speed from then yeah. on.
0: Okay. All right. Good.
1: Yeah, I'm a morning person. I'm probably up at five-ish now for some reason. Did that for a long time on the fire department. But uh, I thought about that question that you sent to me. And the reality is uh, I do believe the morning time is important to get up, be in the Word, and and uh, spend that time in the Word. But then practically I began to think about that question a little bit more. And, you know, and you guys have done a great job You know, saying that we can't just the morning in the scripture is important, but it's not just that part of our day that we're with the Lord. Is and I thought about Paul when he was in prison. You know, he was with the Lord. He was singing and praising the Lord. And we, I just started thinking about that today, and and you know, just uh, wanted to put that out of there a little bit more about the idea of our entire day is with the Lord. And you guys have taught us that over the last few weeks, and and I thought about that how. Throughout the day, when things are, we have challenges, and we all do, even, you know, as a retired firefighter, there's still challenges. We have adult children and seven grandchildren. So things are going on in our world. My brother in law has been in the hospital for two weeks. He's like a brother, uh, he's still in the hospital. So we have all these things going on in our family, but it's being with the Lord uh, throughout the day. But you do have to start. <laughs> Uh, the basic needs of a man, you know, you need water and food, and certainly you need to be fed the Word of God daily. And yeah. I, I choose to do that in the morning for, you know, some time, a couple of hours.
0: Awesome. So, so pretty much the same thing, just getting up before everybody else and making that a priority because, you know, once everyone else gets up.
2: Yeah. Also, I would add also very practical, David, I make a big deal. I don't block my, my Saturday nights. I'm getting ready for church on Sunday. And everybody knows I work at Chick-fil-A on Sundays. My wife my wife works at Hobby Lobby on Sundays. <laughs> I like that. And so, like, people know not to bother me. And, you know, I am going to be ready spiritually and mentally ready by being rested on a Saturday night so I can be ready for worship on Sunday. You know, so I also prepare that uh, mentally because if not, there'd be a thousand things that you can do on a Saturday night. Okay. It's good work. Uh, so,
0: that's awesome.
2: Yeah. That's so that's awesome. something that you got to, I mean, you're going to have to make your mind. We're going to go to church. And if you make that decision on a Sunday morning, it's, you know, there's always going to be a kid that's sick or something's happening, but we're going to make our mind on as a man that Saturday, we're going to win the night. So we're ready to go on a, on a Sunday morning.
0: Well, what I'm hearing from both of you is just priority. Time with yes. the Lord in the mornings is priority. Sunday's a priority. And so you're putting those things in place. So I love that. All right, let's go to question number two. Um, you know, this idea of balancing, we all, um, you know, everybody's got something that keeps them busy. E- even in retirement, we know uh, my father-in-law uh, retired, and, and he said he's busier. Now he's ever been his whole life. Yes. Uh, but we- we've all got stuff going on. So how do you go to work, work an 8, 10, 12 hour, whatever that looks like, and then come home and kind of take off that work hat and put on that father and dad hat? Is there something practical that helps you think through that process? Or do you carry your workload and that stress into the home with you? I, I've gone home before and my kids said, rough day, huh, Dad? I hadn't spoken yet. But that's what I'm wearing on my face. And uh, so how do, you, how do you do that practically?
1: Well, I can say for the years of the fire department, there were, uh, and I know there's some, some fire guys here tonight, police officers, and some of our days could be uh, pretty nice and laid back. And then we have some days that are extremely stressful and uh, then you do go home to your family that morning, and I was involved in my children's life, their education, uh, and uh, in all of their sports and dance and gymnastics and cheerleading and everything in between. So you do, you're wearing a coat, so you're wearing all those different hats, and some days that transition is, is fairly easy, and some days you're coming in like you said, after a 24-hour shift, you've had a rough, rough night, a rough day. I don't know, probably you guys, you don't give it a lot of thought. Uh, You just switch that hat and you move forward. But certainly, you know, when you have a relationship with the Lord and the Holy Spirit can calm you down and give you some peace that you wouldn't have if you didn't have that, you know, He helps you make that transition. And we don't all do it perfectly. I I certainly have... uh, ask for my forgiveness and approach my girls and talk to them about how I failed to be a spiritual leader when I was chasing after a career on the fire
0: department. Okay, let me interrupt you for just a moment. You, you just said that you've, uh, I, I, did you say you've apologized to your kids? Yes. G- give me an example of that because I, I think as men, you know, we, we don't apologize to anybody, right? So what, is, what does that look like? What, what, what do you mean when you apologize to your kids?
1: Well, I can tell you this, that only because the relationship with the Lord, he he uh, has impressed upon me, and you guys hit on it all the time, and that's why things like we do tonight are so important about being spiritual leaders, and man, well, you know, I, I guess I should speak for myself. I mean, I fell there so many times miserably being the spiritual leader. You know, God knows my heart on that, and through that, you know, it's easy to blame my failures on other people, and we often want to do that, but what I say is, you know, I've written uh, letters to my adult children, lengthy letters spelling out the misdirection of my life. Those times when I chose things that weren't supposed to be important, I chose them to be. One part of it was being chasing after a career on the fire department. I thought that was really important. Chasing after, you know, a side job that paid well, investing and doing things like that. So I apologized to them and asked for forgiveness mm. and, and pointed out my failures mm. and then it specifically told them, that I don't blame, you know, my failures in a marriage because of anything that my ex-wife did is because of me, you know. So I'm just pointing out my failures, and I'll tell you guys, if you haven't ever said you're sorry to your children, either you're way more like Jesus than I ever <laughs> was, because we do. We we uh, come in, like I said, from a hard day at work with uh, carrying a lot of weight on us, and we don't take that hat off. We're burdened by what we just experienced, and especially... You know, I say the fire service because that is my experience. I can tell you some stories, but all of you have a story as well, you know. Uh, and and uh, there's a lot of reasons that we do fail to be spiritual leaders. But you guys, like I said, the leader I see in the back, back there, and, you know, uh, Drew and, and Jeff and Josiah and uh, Noah, I, and we don't want to leave Jason out, do we? No, please
0: don't. <laughs> he will let you know if you do.
1: So. <laughs> But, But, uh, anyway, it's really, uh, taking time to realize our failures and apologize to our children. You know, I I love that
0: because as guys, we we don't like to be transparent, but what that builds into our children and our wife, I, I really admire that. And so, uh, thank you for sharing that for sure. Um, you know, Pablo, uh, I spoke with David on the phone today, but I spoke with you on the phone, and you kind of talked about being in the driveway and preparing yes. to go in the house. Yeah. So, so tell me what that looks you like.
2: you said, I'm still living through that. <laughs> <laughs> like today, so my wife's name is Bobby B-O-B-B-I, and Monday was her uh, birthday. So I, she actually said yes, but she couldn't do this last year, COVID for, for that. So we actually uh, got her a present. She got to see her best friend. Uh, she's a pastor's wife, um, college roommate. So my wife is out of town, and I got all five kids, okay? So just today, also known as Wednesday, you know, I had to drop them off at 8, come back, you know, pick one at school at 2.30, the other one at 3.30, then one has some event at 4.30, and then come back here at 5, okay? And we do that again tomorrow. That was just Wednesday, okay? Uh, so I'm in right in the middle of that. I forgot about late at 11. I was there too, okay? So I don't know how many, maybe kind of nodded, wave hands, how many are still in my stage with kids and life and all that, okay? So this is my crowd over here, guys. Here's one thing I'm really, really, uh, the pun word here is very intentional about it. By the way, I have no Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, uh, Facebook, I already said that, whatever, Instagram, whatever. I don't have any of that, okay? Uh, So I don't have to keep up with any of that, by the way. But one thing that it it really hurts me, because I I work with young couples, is that um, people say they don't have time. But yeah, they have time for 18 hours of that week or whatever. Uh, One thing that I'm really intentional is this. So... I used to have an office. I used to be on Timber Creek. I used to live in Walnut Bend. And uh, you know you guys know those huge houses in Walnut Bend when you turn, and then they get smaller and smaller, and then there's like a little hole and you poke a hole. That was my house. We live in a tiny one, okay? That was my joke. Um And it was literally maybe two minutes from my office. I could, I could actually hold my breath and get to my house. It was that close. And that was actually awful because I think you need a time to decompress, okay? When you go from your work into your home, there has to be a moment there. Now, I here I am. I'm jealous of you guys that get to drive those big trucks way out there and see like acres of green, right? Uh, and kind of have that time to decompress. And those guys are jealous of me because I'm not spending $400 in gas every month, right? Like I'm right there. But one thing I learned quickly is there has to be a moment of transition. I'm not. I'm going to use the word, and it's going to be a pun. It has two meanings. But there's a moment when you hit the lift master, craftsman, whatever, garage door, right? And there's a yell of, daddy's home, right? You guys have a rub with luchadores? You guys wear the mask? It's like tag teaming, right? I cannot physically hear my wife at that moment, but I know she's somewhere in the house going, oh, good, he's here, right? Tag team, like I am in, put me in the ring now, right? And so if I have a conversation on the phone, I am done with my conversation. When I hit that button and that garage door goes up, it's dad time, okay? And my wife needs it, and I need it. And what happens when I'm not doing that, here's the word, you're going to miss it. And when I say miss it, I mean it two, two different ways. Because what happens is those kids are coming in, daddy's home, daddy's home, and you're like on the phone be like, yeah, yeah, I'll be here with you. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, whatever, right? And you're going to miss that connection time with your kids. And secondly, the day will come that there's not five kids coming to the door now. There's only one. And you're going to miss it because you miss those days now with their older ones not coming in. And so you need to transition. Whatever you're doing, be intentional. You know, I come in the door. Now they're like, Dad, did you know like Pluto's not a planet? I was like, what? You know, did, did you know like Mercury has no moons? I was like, tell me more, right? And you're going to miss those moments mm-hmm. if you're trying to bring your work into your into your home and if you're trying to take your home into your work. You know, there has to be a transition time. So I love the, the analogy of taking your hat off. You know, like back in the day, we had like the, suitcases and like we put the hat off because you really do you need to transition you're gonna be home you're gonna be at work having emails on your phone I think was the worst invention ever another thing I challenge my guys and what I do is very practical I don't charge my phone I don't even bring my phone to my bedroom I have a sign that I teach young couples to say the bedroom is for rest romance and relaxation I charge my phone in the kitchen okay and I think there's a challenge to that. You bring in your work into the bedroom. It never ends. Mm. You need to transition. You're going to be all in here, or all in there, over mm. there.
0: Wow. A great word, yep. both, both of you. I hear intentionality in both from the transparency of I've made a mistake and I'm apologizing for that. And then just this idea of that garage door going up kind of being like a switch. Yeah. You know, My dad switches on That's now acting. and I'm, I'm putting everything else to the side. because. And I think pastor says it all the time, be where your feet are. And so that's where you are, so be there. Okay, two more questions. Um, the next one is, how do you escape and have some time for yourself? Now, obviously, a little different in retirement. You set your own schedule. But I'm talking back when you were working, fire department, kids, games, cheerleading, all that stuff. Same thing. You're right in the middle of all this. You know, is there a time? Is that once a year? You know, Tim talked about, uh, what, what what is that called? Guilt-free nap once a year on <laughs> Father's Day, right? One time a year is when he gets that. So what does that look like for you? Is it a hobby? Is, what is that?
1: Well, for me, uh, for the firefighters, uh, one blessing that comes from our schedule was this. And I was involved in my children's life. I would see them onto the bus. I would take them to school. I'd be in the car lines and all that. But on my days off, when they were school age and my wife was at work, I could do them, get them to school, participate if I had to with what their activities were for that day. But then I would have my time at home and it would be quiet. And that that is one benefit, of course, for years, uh, I misdirected a lot of that attention on my days off because I worked a side job. So I would work shift and then I would work on my side job and I would work shift, work on my side job, work shift, work on my side job. And then if there was time left for the garage door to come up and spend time with the kids, that's where I missed a lot of that, you know, early on for the first 15 years of my career but for that quiet time, I really just enjoyed being by myself. I lived on, for a while, lived on that 20 acres and, you know, got into having some livestock. That's pretty amazing since I was a city boy, but uh, that was a transition for me, but I enjoyed it. But I had just things, but I was always at home doing things. Mm -hmm. You know, I wasn't away from home. I enjoyed being at home and being available, but I did have that time alone. You guys that work 40 or 50 hours a week and you know, you guys just don't have that. So that was one benefit. There was okay. also, you know, things that were detrimental about being away from home. Twenty-four hour shifts. There's a lot of things that happen for some reason while you're not there. Yeah. yeah. You know, I know there's some guys back there in the back that are on Germantown and Bartlett. They understand exactly what I'm saying. You know, there's yeah. just a lot of things that, for some reason, happen when you're on shift. But
0: yeah. You know. So really capitalizing on that time that you did have when it was just you. So okay, good. All right, Pablo, you're you're in the middle of it right now. No. Yeah. I, do you get time by yourself?
2: Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I find time almost every day. I mean, I find leisure in what I do. I enjoy what I do. Uh, I actually am learning how to play. i bring it to you. I won't play it tonight, but learn the harmonica. If you want to do some songs, <laughs> I'm learning I'll fly away. I already got when the saints uh, go marching in, I got that one down. Um, so yeah, I find leisure in, in time and that's part of why I chose to be, uh, you know, what I do. Um, but besides that, I mean, there's something that's very dear to my heart. It takes about four weeks of my, of my life. Uh, it comes and goes quickly. Uh, and Some of you think it's a hunting. It's not. I actually, I'm a fan of the Miami Dolphins. And uh, after three or four weeks, we're like at the bottom of whatever. So it, it's not, I hate to be like a real team where you have to follow all the time. All, all year yeah, long. No, yeah, no, no. It's yeah. just a, it's a just quick kind of that burst. Month. Yeah, it's like yeah. the first three weeks, a lot of excitement and then we're usually going to mediocre land. So yeah, besides that, uh, I enjoy that.
0: I'm okay. A- awesome. All right. One last question. Um, in the busyness, you know, we all deal with different struggles and things. Um, what do you think is the biggest need in the life of a man today? What is the biggest need in the life? This, of this man one
2: made today? me think He told me this one. I was like, man, this one was tough for me because it kind of felt like the Solomon question, like the, if you're ever in a dream and the Lord had asked you a question, it's not because the Lord wants to know your answer. It's rather because he wants you to hear your own answer. So I was like, man, this is a deep question. I was hoping you go David first. Um, but uh, I thought about this one, and I have a word that it came to me, and it has, again, two meanings, because I, maybe I don't know how to. Maybe I should ask Noah to help me deep dive in warsmithing here. Yeah. But the word that uh, came to me was humility. And I mean that in two ways. The first is in in his context of humility is the opposite of pride, right? And I think as men, we need to be Christ-like. You know, the Lord left everything for us. And there's a huge sense of humility there. And then we can get caught up really quickly in what we do. Either you're saving lives or whatever I do. I don't know what I do, but, you know, like we can get all prideful. And that, in a sense, is very detrimental, what God wants to do. Because God can use a humble heart. And the second part of that meaning of humility is my biggest need is, because we can get hot-headed or we think we got it or we've done whatever here, is that, you know, uh, you know the story in the Bible of the man that says, man, I got everything I need. I got the big truck and the, the big house with 20 acres. Now I'm retired now. I'm a chief battalion retired. I got it all. And the Lord can say, you fool. You know, your very life can be taken from you. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of I have to be nimble enough so I can hear God's voice mm-hmm. instead of inclined with my own pompousness mm-hmm. and to be almost to say interruptible by yeah. the Lord requires a humble spirit. Mm. When Jesus decided and, and came to us, it wasn't just a little decision. Christ is going to be human for the rest of eternity. He, he, I mean, he stooped from heaven. To, he gave everything he could. What else could he give? And that's that's an amazing picture of humility. Hmm. So I think the biggest need for me is to understand is not about me. Whatever I have is His stewardship. And if I don't have humility, then all of this really is just, that's good. it's not, not going to really matter much very quickly. That's so good. that's my biggest need,
1: I think, okay. in, in the context of serving the Lord and, and, and being what I'm doing.
0: Thank you for sharing that.
1: Well, Pablo, I agree with you. I, I, of all the questions that you had listed there, I really did think a lot about the greatest need that I have or we have as men. And uh, Pablo, I think you know, humility has got to be right at the top of that list because God calls us to be humble. But one thing that I thought about is how much time, you made me do some reflection and try to be honest with myself, is is I've wasted a great deal of time, and I'll use the word waste, uh, because as I look back now, those things that were wasted will be burned up. They won't count for anything. Uh, I found them to be very important. Uh Along the way, I'll be 60 this year, and I look back and reflect on that a lot of wasted time. And uh, back in the day, you you don't laugh when I tell you this, but back in the day, I was in very good physical condition. Spent a lot of time doing a lot of crazy working out, like some of you younger guys You're still do.
2: Still in me, dude. I don't <laughs> think
1: you should worry about that. Uh, but I spent a lot of time in physical fitness. I, I worked downtown at, uh, for most of my or a good portion of my career anyway, so I, I ended up going up and down a lot of steps with a lot of gear on, and I uh, uh, had to withstand that and the, the heat and the strain of the temperatures that we worked in sometimes. So I worked out a lot. And uh, this scripture came to my mind today. It's 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4, uh, verses 7 through 9. It says, do not waste time. And I just stuck with that for a minute because it says, do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wife's tales. But the, the idea in my head at that time in my heart was the idea of wasting time. Um, physical training is good, but training for godliness is better. Mm. Promising benefits in this life and the life to mm. come. This is a tr- trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. It's mm. a message there for, for us tonight in that question that if we really spend some time trying to answer that question for ourselves, you'll find yourself pondering what that answer should be. Mm-hmm. You know, Because my greatest need, and this is not a church answer, this is the truth, because I reflected on that answer, uh, that question was, I need the power of the Holy Spirit to lead and guide me every single day Mm. so that I say and act and Mm. do those things that honor Him. Amen. And I know that He dwells in me, so the Holy Spirit is prompting me to do those things. Mm. He's empowering me to do those things. But it requires effort. You guys are so good at, re, you know, leading us down that path. And, uh, you know, physical training is good. But God, training ourselves in godliness. And one way we do that is just what we're doing tonight. Yeah. And as you said, having a mentor. And you know this is to be true because I've already brought it to Tim, Tim's attention that, that I ask a group of guys that I highly value very much to be a mentor, but I haven't heard back from any of you yet. <laughs> Yeah, well, Really, guys, it's just about, and I know you guys are busy doing things. I don't have any social media, you know, five or six years ago. Not that I would be big on it anyway, but about five years ago, I deleted all social media off of all of my devices hmm. because I knew that it, I was wasting time, and that's, you know.
0: Well, thank you for all of your answers. Um, I love this idea of humility. I love this idea of Christ-likeness and the power of the Holy Spirit there was one thing that jumped out of me that both of you said was neither one of you have social media and it is eating up our lives. Brother Steve said he read a book called breaking up with your phone. And he's talking a lot about that on Thursday morning. So I, I would encourage if you don't take anything else away, take that away. I don't have a phone. Do you have a phone? So, have a phone. Okay. Hey, will you tell, will you help me I by do. telling them thank do. you real quick for, for being up here thank with you. us? Thank you, now, as they find their way back to their seats, um, I wanna throw that question to the table and I, you've only got about three or four or five minutes tops on this, but what is the biggest, let's see, what do you think is the biggest need in your life as a man? What is the biggest need in your life as a man? I want you to discuss it just for a couple moments, then we'll come back together and we'll close it out. All right, guys, let me bring us back together. And I want to close out this section by talking about uh, well-being and a a balanced life and looking at what all we deal with as men and our jobs, our vocations, uh, families, hobbies. Uh, It just seems like we're pulled in so many different directions. Sometimes I listen to some of you talk about your day and everything. I just met Jason over here. Jason drives a truck. He drives up every day to Marion, Illinois. He drives a truck up there. They swap out the trailers, he drives straight back, he does that five days a week. I was exhausted just thinking about the fact of driving that far every single day. And so all of us are busy. We all have stuff going on. So what does it look like to have a, a well-balanced life? And um, I'll be honest with you, my, my, my response to this is probably going to be a little different than just giving you a one, two, three. Um, Tim Shelton and our our, uh, adult ministry team, uh, along with Jim Shoemaker, have started going through this book called Know What You're For. Know What You're For. Now, it's written by a pastor named Jeff Henderson. Jeff has worked for the Atlanta Braves. He's worked for Chick-fil-A. He's a high-profile leader. He has started multiple companies, uh, a fantastic speaker. And uh, he's written this book on know what you're for. Now, let me read you this verse, and then I want to ask these two questions that seem to permeate the whole book and that, just to be quite frank with you, have wrecked me over the last three weeks or four weeks as we've started reading this thing. So this is Matthew chapter 7, verse 20. It says, Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Now, to the, the put it another way that we've all heard is you will know them by their fruits, right? So what a person does tells you what they think about, what they dream about, what they have inside of them, right? Is that, is that pretty fair? Uh, you hear Brother Steve say what's down in the well comes up in the bucket, right? So this whole idea of what we put inside of us is what's going to come out of us. Kind of along those same lines, Jeff takes this book and he begins to write these two questions that he says all businesses need to ask themselves, but people need to ask themselves too. Now, we've been looking at it from a church organizational standpoint, but we've also been asking some personal questions. And just to be quite frank with you, it's really messed me up over the last two weeks. So he asks these two questions. And here's the first question he asks. What do you want to be known for? Simple question. What do you want to be known for? Now, I know a lot of men spend a lot of time working like crazy. And they hope to build a great company or they hope to do a great work and one day be known as a CEO or as a great businessman or they have started many companies or all of these things that they're striving for. But the question is, is that really what you wanna be known for? And maybe for some of us, that's what the answer is. So you know, brother Steve oftentimes talks about a tombstone and you'll have one date when you were born, a date when you died and just one little dash right in the middle one little dash. It's just like that. It's like a vapor. It's here, and then it's gone. And for some, it's gone a whole lot quicker than others. So the question is, what do you want to be known for? And if you write down on your paper that you want to be known for starting companies and being a CEO, and there's nothing wrong with any of those things, but if that is your desire, and that is what you want to be known for, a lot of these other things, there's going to be struggles in if that is the desire. I love what the two guys said up here, this idea of humility and this idea of the power of Jesus Christ. I thought a lot about this question because to be honest with you, I spin a lot of plates. A lot of plates I don't have to spin. I just enjoy doing stuff. I enjoy being with people. I don't know that those things are, are going to amount to anything, but I find myself being very, very busy. Tim and I have similar personalities where we, we, we'll leave from, from work. We'll go straight over somewhere else and coach baseball or lacrosse or basketball because we love doing it, and then we'll go home and do some stuff, and, and we're just busy, 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 and we'll get up early, and we'll go to bed late, and we're doing this and that, and we're all over the place. And The question is, at the end of the day, at the end of my life, what do I want to be known for? And I've had a lot more time to think about this question than you have, but what he says here in Matthew chapter seven, verse 20 is, you'll know them by their fruits. I wonder if we were to, to really stop and ask the question, what do I wanna be known for if work would be very high up on that list? Or if maybe our family would be high up on that list? Or if maybe our relationship would be high up on that list? Because here's what I do know, and what Tim and I actually talked about this morning. Where there's no clarity, all right, there's really no strategy because you're just spinning plates. But if I know this is what I want to be known for, this is what God has called me to do, I can then put a strategy in place to at least begin trying to accomplish that very thing. But when I really don't know what I want to be known for, it makes it a little bit more difficult. Now, here's the second question he asked, and this is where it begins to become interesting. The second question he asks is, What are you known for? Not what do you wanna be known for, but what are you known for? In other words, if I was to take 10 people that you're close to and ask them, tell me about this guy, tell me about Tim, tell me about Josiah, tell me about Jeff, What kinds of things would I get? So he's looking at it from an organizational standpoint saying, this is the the motto. In other words, here at Bellevue, we know we wanna be a catalyst for spiritual awakening in Memphis and beyond. But what if we went outside to the community and we just asked 10 or 15, 20 people, tell us about that church, that Bellevue church. Would they say that? Or would they say, oh, that's the big church. Oh, that's like the mall over there on the corner. Oh, the big three crosses. So really, if we got in the community, We want to be known for being a catalyst for spiritual awakening in Memphis and beyond. But the reality, we're known as the big church or the the church with the three crosses. And that's where Pastor's Heart really with Bellevue Loves Memphis was to begin to get into the community and for them to begin to see the heart of Bellevue. And thank the Lord, God has begun to break some of those walls down throughout our city. So the question is, in my life, in your life, what do I want to be known for? But secondly, what am I known for? And here's what Jeff says in the book. Develop basically a personal mission statement. You write down, this is what I want to be known for. And then you write down what you are known for, and you need to look and analyze how big the gap is between those two things. And then what you do is you come back and say, how can I begin to close that gap? So let me just give you a very simple example. If you said to me, this is what I want to be known for. I want to be known for sharing the gospel. That's it. Nothing else. That's it. Okay? I just want to be known for sharing the gospel. And I ask 20 of your friends, and they say, man, he's never shared the gospel. I've never heard him talk about the gospel. Do you know how, how he could begin to close that gap? How? Share the gospel. The problem is if you don't know what you're for, if you don't know where you're headed, if you don't know what you want to be known for, it's very difficult to get there. He said, Derek, this kind of sounds like a self-help, like, like encouragement thing. Here's what, here's what I'm getting at. He says right here in Matthew chapter 7, you will know them by your fruits. So I want to ask the question, how do your children know you? How does the guy that works in the cubicle beside you know you? I was talking to Jeff and Jason. They work for the same company. They're they're, they're in the truck all the time traveling, and they're talking to each other on the phone. And Jason was sharing that they talk about scripture and stuff over that and how they've really been been able to encourage one another. I thought, man, that's awesome. And you know what? There's other guys on some of those calls, and so they're beginning to hear who Jeff and Jason are. They, They say, you know, those are the guys that love the Lord. Those are the guys that go to Bellevue. Those are the guys that are reading their Bibles. That's what they're beginning to become known for. What do people know you for? No, if, we were to, if you were to ask my children, what, you know, what is your dad like? What, what would they answer? Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruits. I think that when we get to heaven, we're going to stand before a holy and perfect God. And he's going to essentially say, why should I let you into my heaven? Now, you, you really need to know how you're going to answer that question. Uh, in a room this size, there's probably some guys sitting here that don't know how they're going to answer that question. But the bottom line is there's nothing you can do to get to heaven. Period you're not good enough. Because the Bible says we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's no way for you and I to get there except by the grace and love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he goes to the cross, he dies a horrific death, he raises a victorious resurrection, and he offers us the gift of salvation. And all we have to do is repent of our sins, believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead to save us, and receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So when you get to heaven and he says, why should I let you into my heaven? You can say, it's nothing that I did, Lord, it's all what you did. And I would hope that everybody in this room could say that. But if you can't say that, I would love to have a conversation with you after this. I think that, that there's also going to be a part of, a part of, well, what did, you, what did you do with me while you were on earth? Now we don't like to talk a lot about that because we don't know exactly what God's gonna say or what that's gonna look like and I'm not trying to be heretical and put words in Jesus' mouth or anything like that, but the reality is we're gonna stand before God and I, I wonder, what are you gonna be known for before Jesus? You see, these two questions that I have read over and over and I have circled and I have highlighted and I have written down in my journal and on my whiteboard and in a book that I'm working through in this book, I have circled a lot and I've asked myself, what has been in my past that I have been striving for that, to be honest, I don't care if anybody knows me for or not? Jesus said, you will know them by your fruits. How are you known? You see, if it's your work, then you're in trouble. And I can be honest, if it's just your family, then you're in trouble. If it's just your hobbies, you're in trouble. I love what Pablo and David both said, the power of the Holy Spirit. What do you want to be known for? You see, what happens oftentimes with men is we're so busy and the lines are so blurred over in between all this stuff, and I love what Pablo said about that garage door coming open and kind of switching gears, but there seems to be a lot of different focuses in our lives. And when there's a lot of different focuses in our lives, it becomes very difficult to really focus in. And so this is what I want to encourage you this week. I want you to write the question down, what do I want to be known for? And I want you to work through it this week. It's an introspective time. It's a time for you to analyze yourself. It's a time for you to ask some questions. Jesus said that he will know, they will know me by my fruits. So what do they know you as? Now, I begin to ask myself this in different situations. What does my family know me as? What am I known for at Bellevue? But here's one that'll get you. What am I known for by my neighbors? By the way, Kevin, that lives to the right of me, that I've known for six years and have never shared the gospel with, he knows that I work at a church, but to be honest, I've never really talked to him about the Lord. I'm probably known as the guy that plays with his son and plays basketball outside his bedroom window and makes a lot of noise all the time. And by the way, he works nights and sleeps all day, so I know he doesn't like me very much. Right, Jerry, that lives on the other side of me that's retired, that I talk to almost every day, And we've had a few biblical conversations, but other than that, we talk about our lawn, we talk about our flowers, and there's nothing wrong with those things. But I think if I probably asked Jerry, he would say, you're the nice neighbor that is always kind of on the lookout for us. And I I would ask you, just like I'm asking myself, is that what I really want to be known for? So this week, I want you to spend some time asking yourself this question. What do I want to be known for? Because Jesus said they will know you by your fruit. So when people look at you, what do they see you as? I believe that God is stirring in the hearts of the men in our church. and He's calling us to do something more. He's calling us to stand up and be the men of God that he wants us to be. And I think in a room this size of about 120 guys is what we're we're averaging here on Wednesday nights. What could he do in the city of Memphis with 120 guys? Well, do you remember the story of Gideon? Gideon starts out with a large army. God said, too many. Shave it down. He gets it lower. God said, too many. He gets it down. And then he gets it so low that Gideon says, we can't do this. And God says, bingo. Now I can do it. And I believe God can use us. But the question is, what are we focusing on? Are we focusing on being known for loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving our neighbor as ourselves? So I want you to spend some time this week with that one question. That's your homework for the week. I'm gonna pray for us. You can talk around your tables for a few minutes and then we'll be dismissed, okay? Lord, we love you. Thank you for the time that we've had together tonight. And Lord, I thank you for this question of what do I want to be known for? Lord, I thank you that in your word you tell us. And Lord, just very simply, you say they'll know us by our fruits, just like a fruit tree. I remember as a little boy asking my grandfather what type of fruit tree was in his front yard. And he says, when it blooms, you will know. And I went out there when it bloomed, and I pulled off a pear and took a bite, and I said, it's a pear tree. And he said, that's exactly right. God, I wonder when people look at us, what they see in our lives. And really, honestly, deep down inside, if that's what we really want to be known for. So Lord, you tell us in the book of James, if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. I pray these men will draw near to you this week and ask the question, what and who are you calling them to be? And then Lord, help them begin to close that gap and make some very practical steps in their lives to make that a reality. Lord, we thank you that you love us. And God, I thank you that even on a rainy night like tonight, you would bring all these men out to have fellowship with one another. Thank you for Pablo and David for blessing us tonight. I pray you'll bless them as well. And Lord, last Thursday morning after men of Memphis, we had a bad wreck outside with one of our guys right out here on Appling Road. Would you please keep these men and their families safe on the way home tonight? Let there be no accidents or anything like that. Please put a wall of protection around them. And then Lord, would you put a wall of protection around their minds? Because Lord, we know that Satan's coming after us with everything he has. So Lord, would you be Jehovah Nissi, the Lord, our banner, or would you go before them and fight for them? And Lord, as we pray so often, I pray they won't turn to the left or to the right unless they hear your voice say, this is the way, walk in it. Bless them tonight. Thank you that you love us. We pray this in your precious name. Amen.